Hey folks, it's Blamo. This is my podcast. I'm Jeremy Kirkland. How you doing? You know who I am. I know who you are. I hope we do. Whatever. Winds of change. The winds of change, folks. I've been, uh, I'm really leaning into this. I've been doing my, uh, my Jeremy is getting into shape routines lately. And uh, I'm just really, I'm really trying to get it going. I'm running. I'm hitting the gym. I'm also going after my daughter's Easter candy. But the other day, I was running, and it was so beautiful. Like, people's lawns were all nice. You know, because we're, we're in that mid-April where, where people are caring a little bit. No one's given up yet. And there were flowers everywhere, and the birds were singing. And, and, I'm, and I'm running down, and I'm listening to, like, freaking Matthew Sweet or something nuts. It's like sick of myself. This is, like, classic 90s bangers. And uh, I felt like I was in this utopian paradise. And, like, I'm running to the rhythm, and I can smell the honeysuckle and... But I'll tell you, winds of change, 12 hours later, I'm waiting out tornadoes uh, with my family. I wake up to leaves and crap everywhere. I'm checking for hail damage. You know, I don't get it. I don't get it. I mean, well, it's weather. I mean, I get that. But or climate change, I don't know. But it all sucks. And I'm really, but I'm really trying to lean into this, the, the nice days when they hit. You know, I'm just like, hey, remember a little bit ago, you were running, you were feeling good. You were getting a nice mile time. Um, it, it was great, but I don't know, man. Like, call, call, call me Kid A, the way I'm getting optimistic here. Okay? Kareem Rama. He's that dude. That guy. You see him everywhere. He's a comedian. He's a podcaster. He's a writer. He's an actor. He does all the things. Um, but Kareem, I mean, he's taken the internet and the inter- entertainment world by storm with, uh, I don't know if you've seen it, if you haven't, there's a link in the show notes to check it out. It's called Keep the Meter Running. It's this hilarious show that profiles taxi drivers. Vanity Fair, the big VF, uh, no relation to vans, but they, they, they called it one of TikTok's best new series. And he's got this other show called Subway Takes, which is this, um, this other sort of talk show he does on TikTok. It's hilarious. Um, you probably know him from like the New York Nico crew. I mean, he's also doing live music shows. The guy does everything. It's quite a bit. But uh, but Kareem, you know, he doesn't know how to stop. His motto is keep going, and he certainly is. So Kareem and I discussed the origins of Keep the Meter Running, searching for connections to his family, his upcoming feature film, Making Music, Leaning Into Yourself, American Movie, and Touching the Stove. You know what I'm talking about. You will when you hear it. Let's dive in. It's Blamo. Here we go. I just feel like such a failure because I should have all of this equipment working properly, considering that I'm a media magnet. You are. What can you do? There's a lot of there's a lot of urban legends. Like one one of the biggest things that I'm the most excited to talk with you about is who you are. Because from to a lot of different people, you're a lot of different things. Are you a TV host? Are you a podcaster? Are you a comedian? Are you an actor? I mean, because you're you're doing it all. You're 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 ticking every box in this new media landscape. That's what the mystery is. Yeah, I I guess I, I want I, there's there's got to be mystery. Oh, okay, that's good. That's good. Uh, that's good insight. I don't have much. So I don't know if you'll ever find out. I don't know if you'll find out on this podcast. No, no, hell no. How's the audio coming through for you? Audio sounds fantastic. There's no. No lag. Zero lag. Great. There's lag in mine, but I can deal with it. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate you suffering for the sake of content, which I'm sure wasn't the first time you've had to do that. Has there, Have you ever been in any other situation where you were making some banger media and you just had to, you know, grin and bear it with, with lackluster connections? Look, I suffer for the content Every single day of my life. Mm. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So what is the content? Because the biggest thing that I... I mean, look, here, I'll kind of take a step back because... we have been in various overlapping vicinities, you know, from we got we got a few mutual friends from people like Bryn Wallner. And and I, I don't know, did, did you go on TF? Did you go on Throwing Fits too once? I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, I mean, we're, there's we're in overlapping worlds and I'm surprised we never met until now, but... It is a joy and a pleasure to meet you. That being said, I really, really, really fell in love with all your stuff on the TikTok show. Keep the meter running. Keep the meter running is, it's incredible. It's phenomenal. Wait, and I think, what? I have, to, I have to interrupt you for one second. Go for it. I'm just going to try something. <laughs> for folks who are unaware, we have had absurd tech issues. Okay, look at this. Wow. Hold are on. you in? Are you in? Even are you better. In? Let's start the whole fucking thing all over again. Hold on one second. Oh my God, here he goes. He's doing this. Bang. Kareem oh. Rama. 
live, no lag, perfect no, sound. No lag, fucking kings of the world. <laughs> I feel fucking on fire now. Holy shit. I'm just glad that you had all the gear because for folks who didn't know, we spent maybe a good 25 minutes going back and forth, testing little things, trying to figure out mic noise and static and um, barometric pressure. Isaac Newton was resurrected from the dead. He started explaining to us theories of science and gravity of you know next thing you know we were talking about isotopes i mean it, it, got, it got gnarly and now i'm holding a, a, a microphone like i'm at a stand-up comedy show recording a podcast and honestly feels pretty good one time i was on a podcast with or no i was on just a zoom mm. with uh judah freelander and he was standing up mm. with a with like a stand-up microphone doing the zoom he did it standing up holding a mic like this, like he was doing stand-up comedy. And I was like, that's so tight. Like this man is on Zooms all day, but he's he's like, hold, he's getting practice. He's getting reps in. He's writing oh jokes. God. He's he's improv, He's improvising. Like it was like he was recording a stand-up set, but he was on a Zoom. And that's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm like holding the mic in my hands. It's not a Blue Yeti. It's just like, like a little mic. And oh my God, you guys, <laughs> blammo listeners. I'm, I am apologizing for the earlier part of this interview. I was hearing my own voice in mm. my head as I was talking there was an echo and so oh. I, I was a little self-conscious about what I was saying because I didn't understand what was happening but as you can tell look at me now I'm fast I'm on fire I'm banging <laughs> I'm going it's true I'm you zooming, look, you look good you feel I'm good happy. I feel happy <laughs> I feel really happy so Man. let's get back into it I'm sorry what? I'm no, sorry it's to interrupt fine. you. I'm so glad. I, I read this thing and it was like, or no, I saw an Instagram video and I was like, sometimes you just have to ask for another take mm. as an actor. You just have to say, can we do that one more time? And do you see what I just did to you? I said, can I just try one more thing? Oh, and, and now and you did it and you fixed it. It's perfect. So I take it you're a big fan of like Dustin Hoffman or was that someone else? I don't know. It was like a Vanity Fair video about like some acting coach that was like, you got to say, can we do that one more time? If you oh. don't feel confident, you got to say, can we do that one more time? And you can't feel embarrassed about wanting to do it one more time. So in the movie Hook, which is everybody's secret favorite or public favorite, who knows? Steven Spielberg's Hook, Dustin Hoffman is Captain Hook. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was quite a bit of issues because Dustin Hoffman's a perfectionist. He was working with the great Bob Hoskins, who was playing me and uh and, and d hoff d hoff kept saying we we need to go again we need to we need to do another time and even spielberg was like homie like you're good we got this sometimes if you don't feel it you gotta do it again i mean that's the thing you gotta feel it right yeah. like everyone else can feel it but if yeah. you don't feel it you gotta do it again until you feel it it could be one take but if you feel it in that one take mm. boom off to the next take but if Bars. you don't feel it you can't move on at least for me because i would literally be haunted for the rest of the day being <laughs> like i really should have just tried one more thing and that that's like you just have to keep trying. I'm not yeah. trying to make this a motivational speech right now, but I do think it's a, like people give up too easily these days. Mm, okay, let's unpack that. I, what do you mean? I just think people give up. Like the minute something gets hard or like it, it there's no instant gratification, people just go, oh, "I'm gonna put this down for a while." Like instead of like going through the pain and torture of failing as many times as possible. And I mean, I think it would be great to like succeed immediately. Obviously, it's the the easier path. But I just know a lot of my peers that are just like it was really hard so i stopped doing it are we are, are you pulling from some other memories here no oh okay i didn't know if you were like oh this was the time i bombed on a set and i did a stand-up thing and i was like listen buddy no it's my whole life my whole life is one giant failure oh easy finally, pump the brakes here pump the brakes no, no, here. it's finally manifested into a small little slice of success but it's it's like the failures the l's keep coming like mm. i you know the l's I had this like 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 a um like a like I would be like man I got a small L today or a big L or a small W mm -hmm. or a big W okay. and it was like I was tracking how many L's and W's I would get and the L's far outnumbered the W's and for a long time my man we were in a W drought oh there was no W's not small ones not big ones it the, the W would be get not getting hit by a car okay. That's okay. like a W for the day. That was probably two years of my life. Maybe two years? Three. Wait, what what, what yeah. years were this? Was this pandemic years? Because none of that stuff this, counts. This yeah. was, um, no, it was pre-pandemic. It was like 2018, 2019. Actually, 
the pandemic's when I started getting some W's. Oh, okay. Is yeah. this the Drew Barrymore stuff? I think that was, was that during the pandemic? I don't remember, dude. I don't the, know. The, the time warp of the pandemic is very difficult for me. Yeah. Because you were in New York the entire time. I, I peaced out. I lived in New York for like 16 some odd years. And during the pandemic, I was like, later. I got kids. Game over. I mean, if I had kids, I would fucking flee the city immediately. Yeah. Well, I would have. Um, but no, I, I was mostly in the city. I spent two months in Minneapolis. Not by choice, but then by choice. And then I spent two months in LA by pure choice. Oh, okay. Are you from Minneapolis? I am from Minneapolis. And my brother had gotten into a car accident during the pandemic. Lucky me and lucky him. And, uh, and, you know, it was a bad, bad car accident. And so like on March, the anniversary just passed like March. It was also that, I mean, I don't remember the dates, but it was also the same week that George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis. Oh, Lord. So, like, okay. I flew home to be there for my brother and my family. Yeah. And then George Floyd was murdered and the whole city turned into this, like, you know, resistance mm-hmm. movement. And at the same time, I couldn't go to the hospital to visit my brother because of COVID. So I had nothing really to do other than, like, it was like a weird Garden State type of situation. Oh. You know, like, like a really flawed version of Garden State where, like, I had to go home for something devastating. And then I experienced something transformational and then I came home and I was a different person. Whoa. And so that was like the beginning, I think, of like a new version. I had an iOS upgrade of myself during that <laughs> period where I really saw like myself, like, I don't know. It was really crazy, man. I want to write a movie about it someday. How long have you been in therapy? For about 10 years and then I just quit. Okay, because I was going to say, that's some heavy-duty clarity you got there. That's some Crystal Pepsi you're drinking. I mean, that's real. That's very clear. Yeah, it um, was cool. That's that's fantastic. What what um is your is your brother okay? Is that yeah? Is that, he made a full recovery. So he's he's doing he's doing good. He's good. He's good. Good man. Good boy. There's a weird thing, not to get all heavy, but like grief definitely like brings people together. Like that's the reason why I moved back home. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. the pandemic, but like. My dad's on his way out. We don't really know what the situation is. And you're just kind of hanging on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll be okay. Everything will be fine. But like, you're like, shit. But in a weird way, you come back and you're like, okay, now I'm here as an adult. Now I can do adult things. I have a, I'm having a different relationship with peers and parents because mm-hmm. I have been through stuff. Mm-hmm. And in a weird way, you get this almost accidental respect. I don't know if that's the right phrase. But- oh, I think it's I think it's self-respect. Sure. Well, it's, yeah. But I'm talking about from others. Self-respect, sure. But that's that's got to come. I mean, you know. But like that's 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 some heavy stuff. And you go back, and then then you start questioning your existence and all this stuff. And then you find out the only way to get to the end of you is you just like uh, this is not a Bill W speech, but like you just keep pressing you just keep going you just well, I'm glad keep you, going. I'm glad you're back thank you wait so are you back no, well i'm back once a month okay so you yeah. stayed gone where'd you oh, go i'm in st louis missouri how many kids do you have two now i have a, a nine-month-old today and a five-year-old you had a baby today well, I, I, yeah, that I was given a nine month old on my doorstep. No, oh, dude, um, congratulations. Yeah, my son just turned nine months today, which well, is technically, like, technically, when babies are born, they're nine months old. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I stand corrected. So he's, he's nine months outdoors, 18 months alive. Okay, cool. Yeah. But that, that being said, I got to rethink my birthday, man. Cause me, me and Christian Slater, that was my icebreaker. If I saw Christian Slater or Robert Redford, I'd say, what's up, man? We have the same birthday. And if, if I got to start measuring things from when I was in utero, this is over. I have no idea what I'm supposed to say to Robert Redford now. I like no, your I think, sunglasses. I think after a year, like after a baby is a year old, it resets. So then they become oh, one. Okay. Well, okay. All right. Then, pause your mouth. Pause your mouth. Yeah, I, I haven't right. fully developed. I haven't fully developed this idea yet. Okay. <laughs> Okay. There's something there. There's something there for us to explore. So you come back and you take the world by storm. I mean, you're you're in a movie. Um, but the biggest thing, and this is what we were talking about before before um you had the epiphany before was, I interrupted you. was no was keep the meter running, which is like it's a really let's I'm gonna zoom way out here because I am a fan of travel shows. Uh during the pandemic, I got really, really, really into Egyptology and the History Channel. And I went as far as paying fifty bucks to join a Zoom with Chris Noughton talking about um I mean we were we got way into it talking about the Valley of Kings talking about all this stuff I mean I was locked and loaded and I was like I want to fucking host a travel show I want to get into it and then I got into Grand Designs Kevin McLeod and I was like man we we need some good stuff out in New York Bourdain is gone 
RIP. And then here comes Kareem showing the salt of the earth. Walk me through this. Yeah. The Bourdain <laughs> comparison it always gets me because it's like, I think the best compliment a person could receive ever, especially anyone in entertainment. So yeah, it's always like, it takes me a moment to be like, um, how do I get around this? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like one of those things where I had the idea sitting in my back pocket for so many years and the timing was right. I was approached by Adam Faze, who you may have heard of at this point. He's kind of like a New York. Well, he's an L.A. boy and now in New York, but has become a very New York boy. And he was like, hey, I'm starting this uh, slate of TikTok TV shows for this company, Mad Realities. And I was like, you know, that's a really interesting idea. And he's like, do you have any ideas you want to pitch? And the first one I pitched was Keep the Meter Running. And the idea was already fully developed. Like I had already written down, like the title was Keep the Meter Running. The idea was like jump into a cab and ask them to take me wherever they want to go. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I was really hesitant on doing it. I was going to, I almost said no at the last minute. I was just like, do I really fucking want to do another internet thing? And like, just do another Instagram thing, do another take, like, oh, like, get me out of this thing. Like, I want to be on TV. I want to be in movies. And fortunately, I did it. And the show just became a massive hit. And I think it was just the right place, the right time, the right people, the right idea, the right format, the right platform. Yeah. I mean, there's all of the all of the luck uh, that that is possible and needed for something to be a hit, um, as well as obviously the work of so many people. And and, uh, you know, Ari Kagan, who edited and shot the first episode, Sexy Damien, who also shot the first episode, Adam, who produced the series, Mad Realities, who funded the thing. And it was like a lot of people had to believe in the idea to get it started, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, now it's taken on a life of its own. And it's the it's both my, you know, it's my favorite thing I've ever done in my life. And it's the best thing I've ever done in my life. And it's the only thing I want to do. It's it's like what I think about every single day all the time. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's great. The re the, the, the reaction from people and press and audience and fans and New Yorkers especially has been so terrific. And it's honestly what keeps me inspired to keep, keep this thing going. Damn. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing that made me the most like excited is, I mean, you remember humans of New York, right? And mm -hmm. there's also the AIDS Memorial in uh, which for folks who don't know, humans of New York was photographer would just take pictures of people in New York and it would be a very brief explanation about the individual and what they were doing. And then the AIDS Memorial were these wonderful photos of people who are not around anymore, but it was just a, a brief view into this person's life. And it's a very strong reminder of the humanity of everyone. And I think um, especially in like, the gig economy, for lack of better term, there's, I think everyone loves cab drivers. It, it's like the ingrained DNA of New York, but there's very little attention. I mean, it's a stereotype to be called a cab driver in, in many ways, and it's fucked up. But like, you really showed the depth, which I I loved. I mean, and I think you handle some pretty weird things. Uh, yeah. Where, where did... <laughs> Where did it come from to have the ability to navigate somewhat awkward situations? That is like the thing that um, is just, it just is like me, you know? Okay. Like I don't really have a real answer from that other than kind of just being yourself and or at least being myself, I should say. Like that's really where any of the honesty or the truth or the sincerity or the authenticity of the show comes out is me just being myself and reacting honestly and essentially like warming up to people as quickly as possible, which is something that I just normally do in real life. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's like it, it, it's almost like the simple rule of improv, which is yes. And I don't know if you've ever taken an improv class. Oh, yeah. But you probably don't even need improv class as long as you know that the only rule is yes. And so essentially, it's like if somebody proposes something, you yes and them like, hey, do you want to go to the Bronx? Yes. And we should eat. Where should we eat? We should go to Popeye. Great. Let's go. And I want you to pick the food for me. So it's like it's just always just keep going, you know, just like constantly seeing what the next 
thing will bring about. And it's so funny that like, you know, in the first episode of the show, I had no idea what people's favorite places would be. I always thought it was going to be like, or, or I don't even know if it was favorite place. It was just like, take me to wherever you want to go. And the idea was like, oh, they'll take me suit shopping or we'll go bowling or play pool. Like that was the original vision. Mm-hmm. And I think the first time I just said, take me to your favorite place. And that was a different question. And it was an unexpected question, but it's what came out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And everyone's favorite place is a, a restaurant. So that also was unplanned. That wasn't oh. like the show that I had in mind. It was like more about just doing whatever they want to do. And it just happened to be food. Like that's the thing. So it became a food show. And again, I think that's like comes from a lack of control, right? Like I just let it be what it is and I don't force it to be anything else. And I'm fortunate though, because not only am I getting to eat some of the best food I've ever had in my life, but I feel like when you eat with someone, I mean, it, it just opens the floodgates, right? Like it just like you become a fast friend. Mm -hmm. And so the show is that much better because we have meals together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I think there's a lot of people letting their guard down fast. I mean, you get people given hot takes you didn't ask for. I mean, it's, it's very raw. Uh, Is that just great editing? Or I mean, is this your, this is what's happening? No, that's what's happening. I mean, if we had the long cuts, you would see that the conference, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that is not, you know, that we, leave on the cutting cutting room floor that's that's even better than what we publish but it just like doesn't make sense for the platforms or whatever um but yeah i mean the conversation like i walk away really learning something in every episode you know mm-hmm. and really putting a lot of these things into practice because that's really what the show's about like it's really about me trying to figure out how to live in today's world and how to be a man and how to be a good you know son and quotation marks and how to be a good friend and how to just be a good person right like that's what the show is about like it's about wisdom seeking and trying to understand myself and what's wrong with me and cab drivers are like they almost have this mystical power about them even if they're white (laughs) you know what i mean like it's not like this it's not like they have to be like uh like a, a, a sufi muslim or something to be able to give me this energy but when you think about how many people they meet and how tough their job is Mm -hmm. and how many hours a day they spend in conversation and the sacrifices that they make. They are these kind of like incredible uh, treasure chests, treasure chests of wisdom. And so that's my goal. And that's my personal goal. You know, like the food is fun, showcasing them is fun, you know, telling their having them have a platform to tell their stories is fun. But at the end of the day, like I'm doing the show because I'm trying to understand how to be a, like how to be a man, like a real one, not like a fucking internet clout boy, you know? <laughs> Uh, well, what have you been learning then about yourself? Because I didn't, I never picked up on that. Um, but I, I see what you're saying now that you call it out. Yeah, if you watch it real closely. Uh, but nobody wants to see that, you know? Like, nobody wants to see, like, oh, Kareem is learning. Like, you uh, know, they, I, no, but, I, I disagree a little bit. But I, I think, I think when people watch it, like, I'm just the vessel, right? Like, I see a lot of people reacting to what the cab driver is saying in a way that they are absorbing the information in the same way that I absorb it, right? Okay. So I'm just really the vessel. I'm the stand-in for the audience. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just learning a lot about patience. I'm learning a lot about love. I'm learning a lot about God, all of them, you know, every single one, whether it's Jewish, Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, or other. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning kind of like what makes, what is important, you know, what is really important in life. What is? I'm still learning it. Okay. If you had, if you had to, yeah. Number one question, number one answer would be like family. Okay. Like, I, I I think, you know, like, I feel like my general hierarchy of things that are important to me has been shuffled and is constantly being shuffled based on these conversations. Right. Like, so you, you go back to Minneapolis. This is obviously before Keep the Meter Running and uh, hits production, I'm assuming. And how much did any of the things that you were going through there affect your desire to do the show now or not at all? I don't know. That's a toughie. I like, can't think that far back. I have a really bad memory. Well, I mean, <laughs> did your folks see the show? Well, well I mean, I, I, I guess I should mention like my father passed away when I was young. Oh, okay. And Sorry for your loss. No, no, no. It's, it's okay. It was a long time ago. And he was a taxi driver for five years when he first okay. moved to America. 
So that is really the overall connection. You know, it's been like a deep-seated issue within me. Now the family to, thing makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. To like, like they are stand-ins for my for my dad, right? It's like all of the all of the lessons. Like I want a, a, a I want the discipline. I want someone to discipline me in this way of telling me what's right or wrong. And even though I'm 36 years old and I know what's right or wrong, I don't know it in the way that they know it. And you know, not having a father to call and just say like, hey, what's your advice on whatever? This is like a really good way to do it. And that is really the connection. Even if you go all the way back, that's what you know. When I say the show's about being a better man and and learning about life and blah, blah, blah. It's because I didn't have the person to tell me those things. And I miss that person every day. And I wish I could get their advice. So figuring out a way to like essentially replicate him as many times as possible. It's like a genie. I have like a genie and unlimited. I have 15,000 cab drivers in New York and then another probably like million around the world that I can ask questions. The same questions I would ask my dad. I Can I ask how old you were when he when you lost your your father, I was twenty. You were twenty, so you got you got some good years. I got some good years, but I didn't get them. What I feel are the most important years. Oh, when you when your dad's an equal, dude. You that we are brothers here, like dead serious. That's been yeah. my that's when that's why I moved home. But like my yeah. biggest thing is like fuck, I moved home way too late. Like yeah. I beat myself up all the time because I was off in New York as some eighteen year old clown trying to figure out who he was when and I, I missed the opportunity to try to learn more from my dad and now mm-hmm. I have this hindsight of just like well fuck like those years I could have tried to figure out more of who I was with him but I didn't right. really get to lean on him that much like I found um I have a bunch of Google accounts like anyone does and um I was getting ready I was like consolidating them and I was getting ready to delete one and I'm like oh this is like a junk mail thing because I never use it anymore and I got ready to delete the account and Google was like hey Hey, you have a bunch of emails from family members. Do you want to delete this account? And I'm like, uh, well, let me see them. And I found all these emails from my dad to me in like 2006, 2007, 2008. And I, I wept. I lost it. Like my, my dad has been suffering from Parkinson's for a very long time, um, for like 28 years or so. He got it in 94 and he was a musician. He was a pastor. He was all these things. And now like he kind of sits in a corner and I, you can still, he can understand you, but like, there's no more talking, you know? And even when I moved back, I was like, oh, I'm going to make this podcast about my dad. And I was mm-hmm. recording every interaction I had with him and everything I could, because I, I kept trying to find out. I'm like, fuck, I'm an adult. I have my own kids, but I have no advice for my dad on how to raise kids. And now mm-hmm. I'm unpacking all this stuff of like, man, my dad did some stuff right. Oh no, I think he did a bunch of stuff wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, can I call him on it? Like, what does it look like? And so I, yeah. I'm constantly like navigating this one-way relationship with him because he is still there, but he's not. And so I, yeah, but it's weird because I'm in the same age now where it's like you want this paternal guide. Yeah. And yeah. I don't I don't know how to have that. And I have other friends and and I also don't know how to grieve correctly because I have other friends who lost their dad much younger or didn't or the relationship they have with with the parent is very is is uh is very hard to unpack because there yeah. there's abuse emotional or physical or and I didn't have that and so I'm like well can I boohoo because I kind of had a relatively good life you know like mm-hmm. and so I don't even really know how to publicly grieve about some of these things because I feel like well someone's going to be like yeah but at least you got this and so I'm like right. well maybe I shouldn't feel bad but I still do no I think everyone's journey is their own and like just because yeah. somebody had it worse off than you doesn't mean that whatever things you're going through are not warranted you know what I mean like you are you and you had your life and that's the only thing that you can compare it to you can't compare it to anyone else and if you feel sad you should feel sad and if you feel like you didn't get enough you didn't get enough and there's no one that can say that you can't feel that way right and yeah that's fair it's it's it is uh but it is like a real thing and i'm glad you know selfishly that you can empathize with that feeling of missing out on something or being too late to the party right because that was the same thing for me like i went to college and I was 18 and then my dad got cancer when I was 19. And then I was like, I'm staying on campus. Like, I'm not going to let this affect my college years. 
And right. then he died and I stayed on campus. I never moved home. And it was this selfish act of doing what's best for me because I knew that if I got to into the sadness that I probably would not finish college and that, you know, my life would take a different path. And I was like, it's better to essentially ignore what's happening and mm. accept it as quickly as possible and grieve in a way that is definitely unhealthy, but at the time felt like necessary. Right. And for me, it was like, I have to finish school. I have to like continue my life. I have to be happy and I'm not going to like let this stop me. And it wasn't like, I'm like, Ooh, you know, I'm not like a superhero or anything. I didn't do it. Like, cause I was like so courageous, like, yay, like it's not a pep talk. It's just like, my dad definitely wouldn't want me to have dropped out of college. And that's really what was on my mind. That was my fear is that like, this is enough of a loss that if I don't keep going, I will probably stop. And I think a lot of that still impacts my life, especially because some of his only advice that I remember is literally the simplest advice, which is just keep going. Like mm -hmm. he said that to me a lot. And that's like something that I write down sometimes. I just write, keep going for no reason, like in on paper and my notes app or like when I'm, you know, doing whatever. And it's just like a reminder that that is one of the pieces of advice that has stuck with me this whole time. Would you say you finished college for you or for him? I would say more for him than me. So then it sounds like in a lot of ways, you grieved your own way, but you really, you honored him and your own grief. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that is, that is the thing that is like, another thing is like regret, right? Like, I'm always trying to deal with regret in this way that you want to make up for it and you want to move on at the same time. And it's like, how do you do that? How do you manage both of those things at the same time? Yeah, I mean, that's the eternal struggle of life, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I wrestle with that every day in the sense that, especially having kids where most, what most parents raise their children in a generational whiplash, right? Like they, they had their way of operating and maybe ways that they felt were wrong. Like, um, my dad was raised super, super, super conservative into which he was like sneaking records, but the records were like Simon and Garfunkel, right? I mean, this is, mm. you know, and he he was a musician and loved music and played a ton of music and music was very much a part of my life. And with my kids, I'm trying to show them music and I'm playing music and I'm playing guitar and I'm singing and I'm showing them stuff and whatever. And um, they don't care. And I was like, you know what? Fuck, I was like this with my own dad because my dad was <laughs> like showing me like recording gear that friends of mine who are musicians are like that. Do you still have that? That can right. pay off your parents, you know, home or whatever. Like all these things that I'm just like, fuck, like I, I just want this time machine to go and slap myself in the face. But yeah. at the same time, like, it's so natural. Like, you know, I found, I, I hacked my dad's computer, basically, um, and found all of his journals. There was nothing embarrassing or bad, but, you know, because my mom was like, look, we have all these sermons, we have all of his old music, we have all these things, like, I just want you to find a way to preserve it. And so mm -hmm. I started to, like, listen to, like, all these sermons and stuff that he did. That's and, so cool. And it fucking warped me. And yeah. I, st like, I started having really bad panic, like, I, I travel a bunch, and I started having really bad panic attacks and I didn't know how to calm myself down from these panic attacks. So I started downloading and like re-listening to like my dad's sermons on mm -hmm. my phone to like try to calm myself down and it worked. And then I was like, fuck, I can't wait to tell him. And so I go and I like try to tell him and he doesn't really get it or understand. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, well, fuck, like, is, is he getting the gratitude? Like, am I, am I, does it even matter? And, you know, and it's just, yeah, I mean, that, that's the, the heavy stuff that like, I just go and look back. I'm like, you know, I think everyone, what it sounds like you were saying, I'm not putting words in your mouth is you just want to know one, was your dad proud of you? And is the work that you're making, making him proud? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, also you're really lucky that you have access to the archives. Cause I don't, I, I like, I, I like, like had the idea maybe three months ago and I think it was during the show I was like oh shit like I, I like got this idea that I was like oh like I checked all my emails no did no emails not a single email from my dad which is really sad and then I was like oh it must have gone to my college account so I literally emailed my college and I was like I really need access to my old account and they like set me up with my old username and my password and I had to like be on the phone for a couple hours and I finally got in only to see that there were no emails so I called them back and I'm like hey all my emails emails are gone and they're like oh like they were 
like we we moved to Gmail, oh, and fuck. I think anything pre Gmail was just deleted off the servers. So even though I found my login, I got my name, I got the password, I got access to the account, there was no fucking emails, and I was so sad. Because <laughs> I, I mean, I I have like home videos, I have photos, uh, but I don't have any of the good stuff which I have no voicemails, I have no texts, I have no um, emails, and there's not really any other records. And so I got to live with the memories, my man. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing too, because I'm I'm pissing and moaning that I don't really have anything that's that personal. And to be honest, the emails that I read from him were not great. You know, they weren't really uplifting. He, uh, <laughs> he was calling me out on shit, you know, because I was freaking out over money. I, I worked as, uh, I was like a, pers- a PA for like Elijah Wood at one point. Mm-hmm. Like, just totally random. And I was like, yo, dad, like, I'm gonna, all I wanted to do was, like, get my parents nice shit to make them, like, mm-hmm. feel better because I didn't have a lot. And my dad was like, stop with this. Like, like, cut this out. Like, we don't need this. No one cares about this. No one wants it. Like, what are you doing? But and so I read it. that's a good lesson. I guess. But I was like, that's fuck. That's a good like, lesson. You don't... Yeah, I don't know. Yes, yeah, okay. that shows who your dad was. Yeah. Which is a guy that doesn't give a shit about material objects and just wants you to like do what you want rather than like work for the family, even though you feel like you have to. Yeah, not that to was the therapist. No, no. I mean, you're that's pretty dead on what they say too. Cause like my dad didn't give a shit about me being a pastor or doing or even believing in God or any of that stuff. He was just like, you should just have faith in something. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, we, he taught me that was his thing. He's like, you just need it care about something and let something else mm-hmm. drive you because you're you know you're gonna be a hedonistic enough that you're you're just gonna get to the end of yourself but yeah i mean shit that i gotta rewatch all of the all of your shows now with that insight because i don't think yeah, you you'll, lean, you'll see it you'll see it you don't lean too heavy on any of that i don't even think you would call it out in any of the videos there's, do there's, you? there's no room for a backstory in a tiktok show and i do believe if the show ever goes to tv uh which i hope it will that there will be more room to explore that in a way that the audience can really see it. But I do feel like a lot of people see it. They, they don't necessarily connect it to fatherhood or mm-hmm. uh, or like how to be a man, but they definitely like the life lessons are there, um, but it's just not so apparent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you, is it on YouTube? No, not really. I mean, yeah, there's clips. This stuff but... is so hard, man. Like oh. it's so much work. Well, and this is the reason why I ask is, so I'm sure you have agents and all that other stuff. And one of my buddies is like my guy at uh, at WME and he uh we we were talking about doing this sort of show and my my like agent guy friend whatever was like oh you know what like everybody's just focusing on TikTok and YouTube mm-hmm. like even even now friends of mine who do press for TV for TV series for Netflix series for all these things they're like yeah I need to be doing podcasts and like TikToks with people because the viewership <laughs> is exponentially right by an order of magnitude higher yeah. than anything dude like like james corden does better on youtube than he does on tv for sure the whole paradigm has shifted and it's great because the power is in the hands of the people but the money is not when you nah. talk about like these platforms so it's like it's like on one hand you can gain some sense of power but at the end of the day if you're 36 and you want to make a career it's really tough to do it still with without kind of like the hollywood backing and i believe that eventually you can make money doing that stuff and it, it but it's a grind you're in one man studio You know, it's like you got to learn how to edit. You got to learn how to produce. You got to pay people. You got to have equipment. Like, it's just a lot. Like, I mean, you saw at the beginning of this podcast, I have four mics all for different stuff. There was a couple wireless ones I didn't even try. Oh, there we go. It's just it's just a lot of work. But, um, you know, for me, like, it's funny because, like, I think about, like, being on the Food Network or something. Hell yeah. If, if, if Keep the Meter was on the Food Network. But here, here's my thing is, like, would anyone recognize me on the streets? Would I have any power? Would, would like, it make even a difference in the culture if the show was on Food Network? Like, if I was, you know, right now, I can go on the subway in Manhattan and have three people be like, oh, my God, I love Keep the Meter running. Right? Like, literally, it happens all the time and every single time i'm like i make the right decision i'm like tiktok is the way to go if the show was on food network if i had never done tiktok and had just pitched it directly to the food network would it have had such a cultural impact probably not especially in a place like new york or la or whatever like i'm more interested in the jim jarmusch kind of success and fame which is to say that like not a lot of people but the right people
people and also maintaining some kind of, you know, uh, like privacy, for lack of better words. But it is, uh, you know, I've been with other influencers or whatever you want to call them. I don't want to ever call myself that, but I've been with other internet personalities who, you know, because their content is more abrasive, their fans and their audience is more abrasive in real life. And, oh, yeah. And think that they have some sort of ownership over this person. Um, I'm grateful that, you know, anyone that stops me is super respectful and just says, like, I love your show, like, amazing, keep it up, which is great, but they're not, like, accosting me. And I've been with people who have shows as big as mine or pages as big as mine who are, like, harassed in a, in a, in a way that, like, I'm sure the, the fans are being, uh, they don't know what they're doing, like, in their heads. They don't know that it's rude. They don't know that it's, like... Right. not acceptable to treat someone like this. You know, it's good intentions, I guess, but it's, it's just ultimately it's really selfish of them to act like they have ownership over a person. But that's all, all, all that's to say, you know, when, when, when I do a TikTok episode and get 7 million views and, you know, 2 million likes and thousands and thousands of comments, that is more impactful than having a TV show on the Food Network that 15,000 people in Iowa watch, you know? So it's a, it, it's a sacrifice though, because I can't tell the full story, you know, the Kareem story, which is this fatherhood and this manhood and, you know, this way of life and understanding kind of like what I'm supposed to do. But ultimately, I think it'll get there. I think, I mean, I think it will. I mean, you did the Patreon. I'm sure that's, that's going to be part of it. Um, well, I did the Patreon and then I undid the Patreon. Okay, that makes more sense. Because I was like, <laughs> I was trying to find it because I was like, oh, I'm going to pull all these other notes. And I'm like, wait, where did it, what, 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 what happened? Yeah, no, it's just like, I, I'm, you know, like I said, many failures under my belt. And I'm also like, just down to fail. So I was like, fuck it, I'm launching this thing. Another one of my friends was like, holy shit, you beat me. And I've been like, you know, his show has been long. Like, I'm just fast. I just do it. It's like, get it over with, rip the bandaid off. Nothing's going to be perfect. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And Patreon, well, I think is a great platform. It's like, I'm not in a position at the moment to produce any additional content. Like, uh, no. okay. It's so like, it wasn't like, like embarrassment. It was just like, I, I'm going to make myself more accountable for stuff that I'm unable to create. Yeah, it's like, you know, people are paying their hard-earned money, even if it's $5 or $10 a month. It's like, I want to be able to deliver on what I promise and also not completely destroy myself in the process. And the show is already really hard to make, mm -hmm. you know, because it's not, it's not like no shade on podcast, but it's not a podcast. It's a fucking show oh, yeah. that requires two cameras and production and money and editing. And it's just like a lot of work to even get those TikTok episodes out. So to do another bonus episode, even if it's once a month, it's like literally a full day of shooting and four days of editing. Like it's just, it's a lot. And so without like the right infrastructure in place and without the right kind of like full on strategy in place, I think it's just too hard for me to be able to manage. And then I've got all the other stuff going on. So I, I just I just I jumped the gun. That's exactly what I'll say about it is I jumped mm. the gun. Okay. I was like, this is going to be easy. I launched it. And then two weeks in, I was like, holy shit. I like, oh, a bonus episode, a catch up episode, a blah, blah, blah. I was like, this is ridiculous. I can't do this. I really can't. And so at the moment, my my strategy has shifted to like trying one one thing that I was really uh, opposed to was was doing anything with a brand. But now I've decided that like, I'll try to figure out some ways to like work with brands that and it will feel natural and like won't take away from the show. Yeah, because I'm sure there's a booze company or some sort of hospitality, food and beverage space, whatever that you could, you know, I mean, obviously you got enough great ideas, but like, I'm sure there's somebody who would love to underwrite all of that stuff with the viewership you're getting. And yeah. The and, and, and for me, it's like, I actually personally, I'm not sure where I need to do this show for money yet. It's more about just covering the cost of making it right. Like I don't need this as a salary yet right now. It's just like, keep it going. Cause I have other jobs. I have other things that I get money from. So, so it's it's more about like having enough money to cover the production costs, having enough money to pay the people that work on the show, having enough money to pay the cab drivers, food, and all that. Like so, I'm not losing money on every episode. I, 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 right now, I just want to break even. Um, that's and then, that's you know, I'm sure a rare achievement in itself. Exactly, I'm sure eventually there will be a time where I'm like need this to be profitable. Get in the fun of it all. So here's here's a funny story that'll make you feel a little bit better. A friend of mine got a deal 
for a show on a network that is similar to the network you were referring to. It's it's in that space. And he got the show and they were going to do it and everything was, the wheels were in motion. And the there's a change in leadership and they say, hey, we want to launch this, but we want your digital presence to be larger. So we're going to put this on hold wow. and we're going we're gonna to give you six months to wow. grow your digital presence. And long story short, they were like, are you kidding me? This is basically... Basically, they were saying that like your credibility isn't enough. The idea isn't good enough because we're worried about how it would live on social media. And so so awful. They axed the show. Wow, that's awful. And so you have the other side. And and so in a lot of ways, it's like, well, fuck, like what, who needs those networks? Because their MO is, is basically to, unless you're freaking, what is it? Um, Hometown, which is a great show, by the way. Um, Like there's, you, you, yeah, there's, there's, it's not going to happen because you need to have mm-hmm. this other like larger social reach, which you already have. Thank so, God. I mean, I would have a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Can you imagine like, that? Like, like sitting I, down in the meeting? Yeah. I would be very upset. I mean, I've, I've also thought like that is why I'm, I just keep investing my own money into the show because I just don't think anything bad will come out of having more episodes, having more reach, having more viewership, having more influence, having more audience, having more stories to share. I don't think anything bad will come out of it. So I'm willing to lose money right yeah. now yeah. on, on doing it, um, in order to kind of keep it moving. Um, but I mean, that, that's also like, I sometimes wonder like if I were, were to have taken this show out before I even went to TikTok, would people have just been like, eh, I don't understand how the idea is. Like, I don't understand it. I don't get it. Like, they don't seem that interesting. Like, I I feel like, yes. You you feel like, it. I feel like be, the format ever everything, it's like this perfect marriage and timing and you name it, that it just is so so great on the, on the platform. Not saying that it doesn't deserve to be on other things. I'm just saying like, your talent, the content you created, I don't think it would be as successful on a larger network because I don't, I don't think the leadership of the network would understand it. Case well, yeah, point, that's what I'm saying. Like, like yeah. if I if I didn't have the case study, let's call yeah, it bingo. Of the okay. internet, like, would you know, would 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 they have seen the vision? Would they have fucked with the vision? Like, I don't know if they would have fucked with the vision. I think they would have been like, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, Maddie Matheson has mentioned that stuff tons of times. Where he's oh just really? Like, oh yeah, he's just like fuck it. I just did all this stuff myself. I mean, he's got a good team. I mean, he 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 doesn't say that you know he's all alone on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just like, you just got to go and do it on your own. And then like, fuck it. If, if it happens, it happens. And if not, you still have the stuff that you made, which you'd be proud 100%, of. Which is exactly how I look at it. It's yeah. like, I'm having the time of my life. I'm doing, I'm telling the best stories in the world yep. and I'm working with my friends and everything's great. Like I, I'm like, if this, if, if nothing else comes of this, I'll be a happy man. So what are the other things that you're doing then? Stand up, podcasting, acting? <laughs> I'm doing a lot of things. I'm doing too many things. I just wrapped a film, a feature film that we're in post on. Okay. Uh, it's my first feature. I wrote it. Uh, I co-wrote oh. it with with Mary Neely, okay. who's uh, another great actress, comedian. We shot it at the end of December. We're in post. And so that is an exciting project because I've only done shorts. So this will be the first time I do a feature. And again, another one of those, like, let's write a script that we can make where mm-hmm. we don't have to talk to a studio mm-hmm. that we can finance from our networks and that we can shoot in six days, which is insane. But when you don't have money, you got to do it in six days. Uh, and, and there are other ways to do it. There's a million ways to do everything. For me, it's about doing it. That is literally my motivation. And I have this like little phrase that the secret to doing things is doing them. And that's my own thing that I came up with. I don't know if it exists outside of my world, but everyone is always like, how do I do this? How do I do this? I'm like, just do it. Like, I guess Nike. Yeah, I was going to say there's a company that leans on that pretty hard. But yeah, yeah, but it it is true. It's like the secret to doing things is doing them. So like, if you want to make a movie, figure out a way to fucking make a movie that, you know, there was this there was an era uh, in New York where people were making movies because they wanted to. And I think all of a sudden it was like, I'm not going to everyone decided that, like, they're not going to make a movie unless a 24 finances it. They were just like, that's the only option. Like, if it's not an A24 movie, I don't want to make it. And I was like, look, of course, A24, amazing company. I think it's they make the best fucking movies. I'm in. If A24 mm-hmm. calls me, if you're listening, if you work at A24, they listen. I love you. There's Call some me, A24 folks. Bring me. Yeah, I want A24. I want A24. What I don't want to do is wait around for A24. Oh, you know, so hopefully I will work with A24 and I would be honored to work with A24. At the moment, they haven't called me. (laughs) So what am I supposed to do? I got to make this movie. 
the movie is already written. The movie, like, everyone wants to make the movie. People are willing to work on the movie for like, you know, discounted rates because they believe in the project. So what am I going to do? I'm going to raise the money and we're going to make the movie. And if it means we're making it in six days instead of 20, we're making it in six days. And guess what? It turned out great. And we got amazing talent in the film. And I think it's going to be some sort of hit. Uh, the premise is kind of like a newer version of uh, like a before sunrise situation. Oh, hell uh, yeah. Okay. Like a, new, like a little New York walk and talk uh, with two strangers that that uh, spend the day together in New York. It's not as romantic, I would say. It's a little darker. Oh, yeah. It's not a comedy. It's my first time also doing kind of a drama. Um, but it is an A24 film. Just don't have <laughs> A24, but, but I just don't have the A24 budget. But um, well, a lot of those hope- folks come in and distribute. It's the, they're, yeah. they're not financing that stuff. They'll, they're coming in to put their name on it and then get it into a theater. And yeah. I think that'll happen. I think it's a it's it looks like a great movie and it is a great movie. Um, so I'm putting the we're. we're we're wrapping that up and hopefully it'll come out next year. And then I'm making music, which is a new thing. That is, yeah, the other thing I was going to talk with you about. It's fun. I mean, it's really fun. I've never because yeah, you're, you're doing like a, uh, I don't know if this word is pejorative, but I don't mean it that way. Like a variety show style thing. Like, a, <laughs> like what, what is this thing? You're, it's music and everything. It's, 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 it's just two comedians and then two bands. And, I was like, how do I blend these worlds? Like people, like my people that that follow me are here for the comedy. And all of a sudden I'm like, come to my concert. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just have two comedians and they'll get some comedy and then they'll get my back. And I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, I hope it does. But I've always wanted to be in a band. I've always wanted to make music, but I've never had the skills or the know-how and i i made like one song in october of i think 2021 and i was like oh this is so fun this is the tiktok but song right this is this is this one's about it's it's a halloween song the first song i ever made was a halloween song okay uh and then i i got really into it, it started as comedy music it started yeah. as like funny songs and now it has become i guess real songs so it started as like lonely island and then it slowly made its way to like something that's just like a little more tongue-in-cheek so maybe like the talking heads or something you know they're like kind of funny Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh or like they're talking about things that are kind of funny and then now it's just like i guess it uh, that's where i've remained like like a like good music good musicians in the band and less on the nose humor, but still kind of like conceptually humorous, right? So like I just released that song, Really Rich Parents, which is, you know, it's a funny concept and it's obviously in the zeitgeist, but the song and the music is actually good. And it's that's what I realized is like when you make a comedy song, people are not necessarily, it's like a novelty. So no one's listening to it twice, right? Like I made a song called Hezbollah, which is about Hezbollah, the little guy. And are people going to listen to that like at a party now? Are people going to listen to it more than once now? It's like, it's almost like a waste of time, you know? Whereas I realized that like music has such, it has a long, long shelf life. And so I wanted to do something that had a longer shelf life because it's like you put all, you put the same amount of effort into making a comedy song that you do a real song and the the comedy song goes into the algorithm and then it disappears and then there's no trace of it ever again. Whereas the real song remains and it lives and it's a part of your portfolio of stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I totally agree. I mean, Adam Pally was doing that with his, his like Adam Pally and friends thing. And it was interesting. No, well, so uh, no, Adam Pally, the, comedian actor yeah Um, yeah. i just thought he had a band or something no kind of so because i did it with him at bell house and it was really interesting because it's like him playing music and playing real songs covering them but also it's not entirely the whole song and then he has different comedians that'll come up and do stuff but i remember when he was explaining it to me i was like i i don't see how this is gonna make sense but you know from people that went and like even experiencing it and being a part of it i was like oh shit like i feel like this is how people want to consume comedy music and stuff is like put it all together and it it also there's a weird um i don't know i don't know what it is because of tiktok and all these other things things that are too polished i think people question and things that feel a little bit more raw people are like way more into do you know what i mean yeah for sure yeah i mean they want to see the seams exactly like, that's yeah. kind of how i think about it it's like it's it's like showing the scene yeah is 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 and and that's like that goes back to your point about kind of like getting people to open up to me on 
and keep the meter running is like, I'm like, dude, I'm flawed and damaged and all. Please help me. And, you know, being able to recognize that and just say it and like be it is, is it's, it's like you're real, right? And the whole internet's aesthetic has went from being polished, being like, oh, look at me, I'm real. Um, And I think that like in the art, I think that's also, you know, why like Bo Burnham's inside was like a cultural kind of phenomena that I don't think, you know, because of the constraints of the pandemic, they greenlit or bought or whatever. But in real yeah. life, I think had he been like, hey, I'm going to do this thing, maybe people would have been like, oh, it's not polished enough. But I think the audience, yeah, the, the appetite for realness is higher than ever before because the whole fucking world is like running on fumes and lies. <laughs> and so the more honest you True. can be, the, 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 I think the better result you'll have. And, and realizing that like ever just Knowing how your imperfections, I think, can be to your benefit. Yeah. Like, I, I can't take credit for this quote, but someone was like, like, fake reality people don't want, but people want real reality that is like eventless. Mm-hmm. You know, True. stuff that yeah. it's why. So I'm so I, I did a pod the other week and um, I said how much I think the Ted Lasso show is is not good. It's not for me. And it, people were kind of a little hot over it. Like, why would I shit on Ted Lasso? It like is a great show and all this. And I was like, because it's not real. And I'd much rather have something that's real and just eventless. You know, versus versus like, oh, this isn't real at all, but there's not really any there's there's no character challenge in my head. And, and you know, I'm sure someone else is going to come back and clap back at me over it. But it just I don't know. I, th- I think that there's a way that we want to engage with the arts now that is way more empathetic than ever. Mm-hmm. Well, I support your stance on Ted Lasso. <laughs> Just, just so everyone knows. Thank you. You're not alone, buddy. You're not alone, brother. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. The other person on the on the pod, they were like, "Oh yeah, nope." <laughs> yeah, I watched like one episode and I was like, "I'm out. This, this is not for me." I love. That's also the best way to say that you don't like something. It's not for me. I think it's. I love saying that. Oh yeah. I. It's. It's tough because it's really hard to to get someone to explain themselves more or to um pry at their comments if you're just saying like it doesn't fit. Like it just doesn't fit for you. Like there's because you you didn't shit on it. You just said it's not for you, which is like, yeah, yeah. versus I kind of shit on it. (laughs) I won't shit on. I I, I rarely shit on anything because everything's so hard. Well, yeah, I I mean, mean? it takes time and money and energy and effort and writing and all all sorts of stuff. But I should say I'm having my yeah, I'm having my first ever live performance with my band on April 17th at Babes All Right in Brooklyn. Nimesh Patel is doing stand up. He's incredible. Joey Dardano incredible new band called paris spleen uh which is sitcom it's this guy jacob lazovic Lazlo. I, I don't remember how to say his last name cool i just call him cool jacob but uh it's cool jacob's new band okay and my and then my band and it's really gonna be an experiment because i've never performed live in my life are you playing any wise. instruments no i don't play i sing and i write the lyrics and then i have a collaborator tyler mccauley who i've known for like 10 years and he was i always like was like oh you're like a little james Murphy and okay yeah he's like a like he has the he's like plays every instrument picks up any instrument makes produces all the music and put the band together and he's just like so down and he was the first person that I thought of when I was like I really want to make a song I've only made songs with him Mm. and he was the first person that I hit up and also the only person that I've currently been working with so I think it's gonna be really exciting I think it's gonna be a really fun night I love I mean I've only like our rehearsals that we do I have so much fun it's a completely different feeling than doing stand-up because when you're doing stand-up you're all alone on stage yeah that's a different feeling than than being in a band and it's really cool like it's a really cool even in the rehearsal space i'm like this is so fucking sick like i don't know what this feeling is and hopefully it you know manifests that way in the show that we do but yeah come out come out and, Where's it uh, at? See the music. Baby's all right. Oh, 17. baby's all right. That'll yeah. be sick. Yeah, I think this will be out by then. I'll have it out Eat. probably That's on the seventeenth. Promotions. Yeah, there you go. Come tonight. Come tonight, everyone. <laughs> come, come tonight. Come tonight. Um, in case it's out on the seventeenth. That being said, like as you start to work on other stuff, like films, movies, like what are? Do you have any sort of underrated movies or films that you stand that people don't get? I don't know if people don't get them, but like I'd say that my favorites kind of like the two favorites that always come to mind are American movie, which oh, yeah. is that documentary. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Oh yes. Many a times. Yeah. So fucking good. Coven. Coven, dude. I need to finish Coven. I just, what, what's his face? Movie. Just, we just lost him, right? Mike. 
Mike walked on. R.I.P. Mike. Yeah. May he rest in peace. For sure. Um, and Lane. What's that? Have you ever seen the movie? It's 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 like one of Vincent Cassell's first movies. It's like this French black and white film that is kind of about the same stuff that we're talking about today with like racial inequity and police violence and police but it takes place in paris and it's so fucking good and it's made me it, it's i watched it and i was like i don't want to do comedy today i was like i want to make a drama and that's what got me writing this new movie that me and mary made or something that's what got me to be like let's try something that's not comedy is watching that film do you feel like you're only able to grow as an artist when you're stretched because it sounds like you 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 personally challenge yourself quite a bit yeah i mean like i said i like the failure because then i go it's not for me when, when did you, you know? when did you like it though because that's not a normal thing i'm certainly not masochistic about it like i don't actually like it but okay. i like move i like moving on mm. right i like i like I like picking something up saying it's not for me or I don't like the taste of that and then going, I won't have it again, but I know I don't like it. Like, I, I, it's like the kid that like needs to touch the stove, even though his parents <laughs> say, don't touch the stove. You okay. know, like I'm, I'm touching the stove. Like nobody can tell me that I won't like it. I have to experience it and then either be not good enough and know that I'm never going to be good enough. For example, playing instruments. I've picked up so many instruments. It's just not going to happen, literally. And I know that now. It's just not going to happen. But can I still participate by writing the lyrics because I'm a writer? Yes. Turns out I can. So, you know, we'll see what happens with the show and and with the music in general. I like the music. Some people seem to like the music. I've got I've gotten compliments about the music recently, which is a first. So we'll see what happens with the music. Um, but yeah, for me, it's like, how can I know that I don't like something or I'm not good at something without trying it? Yeah, because there's for other friends I know who are kind of in your field, I think some people it's like, oh, I need like a divine focus where it's just this one thing. And you're really spread up apart across all these different artistic formats but they i would say they really complement each other i mean your podcast is a whole other thing which is great you know yeah. and versus that the tiktok show the music and all these things kind of stringing it together it's like you're the the renaissance i don't i don't know i wouldn't say comedian yeah. i guess that's I, probably not I, what you would want to be classified as I, I think i've moved towards like entertainer presenter i don't know anymore oh there you go i, think I, I still go by i don't know who knows let's yeah. figure it out later oh, yeah. um, but i think yeah like i like to i want to fill the top of the funnel as much as possible and just see what comes out the little end, you know, fill it up and some stuff will come out of the bottom. And those are the things I'll keep doing. But like, I just had like a year of, I don't know, man, I was just really motivated last like obviously i think 2021 all of those things came out all of those things happened mm -hmm. in the same year mm -hmm. this year i don't think we'll be like that right like i haven't launched anything new this year like, ah fuck i did yeah i was gonna say yeah you have yeah <laughs> yeah yeah subway takes yeah subway takes yeah i was show. watching that earlier which is like i mean that's that's a it feels the same, but you definitely are finding some pretty ran random randos. The well, MetroCard lapel every, mic. The MetroCard mic is a genius. That was my friend Willem. He thought that, not me. Um, but the, all those people are cast. Like, it's I'm not doing Man on the Street. Like, I, I ask people to be on the show, or they ask me to be on the show. Okay, that's still good. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, don't, I don't think it... I don't think it takes away from the show, you know, mm -hmm. like, but yeah, I guess I did launch that. And I completely <laughs> forgot that, like, I did, I guess. So... I don't know. Again, man. Do you I uh, no do you watch um who is it like any of the Tim and Eric stuff? Like there's there's definitely like a bit of a uh, um absolutely production vibe on some of these things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love absolutely. I think they're very cool. Oh my god, yeah. It's it's the highest. I don't know. For me, I when when my wife and I were dating early on, she was obsessed with Tim and Eric and all of that and all the adult swim things. And, and I was like, I don't understand. It feels like it's purposely like bad, you know? And she yeah. was like, and, and I didn't get it until way later. And that's and, so funny. Yeah. And now I, I, I freaking love Tim. I, I think all those guys are geniuses and all that Nathan Fielder stuff and everything that they've all oh, done. He's the best. Yeah. He might be the best. Yeah. He's and one like, of the, he's one of, he's one of the goats for sure. Yeah. That's, I don't know how much that dude's going to like Andy Kaufman himself or if he's really that real of an individual. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. I feel like he is that. Maybe. Yeah. I feel like he is that. Cause it's, that's, so that's the thing, right? And so someone like Nathan Fielder, there is the character and there's nothing past that. At least that's been revealed yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Nathan Fielder is the character and he's like, the character is who I am. That is it. Finito versus you. On the other hand, now you're the whole, you're the whole person. It, mm -hmm. you, you were the character digitally 
but obviously on this conversation you explaining more about the the grief the 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 journey the search and i feel like that's a easier person to latch on to because i feel more connected to someone who's been in any form of darkness yeah yeah no for sure i always think i mean to bring it back to bourdain it's like i want to leave this world damaged and scarred and bruised and fucking beat up and put my body and my mind and my heart through as much as it can possibly bear. And so that's kind of like my philosophy on it, man. Like I'm going to, I'm going to use everything and it's all in the service and interest of both personal growth as well as like just having people react and Mm. think even if it is silly right like with subway takes some of those takes are so stupid but at least it gets a conversation going yeah and i love that it's stupid like the biggest video on there is me and my friend anthony arguing about vertical vertical video versus horizontal video and this is an argument that me and him have all the time and to put it on the internet and have them argue about it is even better because I'm getting so many good points that are pro-vertical, which is me. I'm like yeah. the pro-vertical guy. And one of the arguments was people are vertical, so video should also be a vertical. And I was like, that's a great fucking point that I've never had. But now in my people argument... People are vertical. That's people such are a vertical. F- <laughs> I didn't see that one. That's pretty funny. Because there was another point that was like, well, eyes are horizontal. That's why video should be horizontal. Yeah, and I was going to say how we see. Level. Yeah, But people are vertical. And so it's just so funny, man. It's just, it's so entertaining. And that's what it is. It's like trying to mix all of these things together is like getting to the center of the truth, being entertaining, starting conversations and having fun. Like number one priority of my life is fun. And I hope I can keep that up for as long as possible. That was a shit as well. That was, that was something that shifted until I realized that like, that is how to be happy for me, at least it's to just have fun. Yeah. I mean, it does. It sounds like a harmless hedonism. Pretty good. It does. Yeah. I don't want to hurt anyone. Yeah. There you go. Well, Kareem, thank you so much for chatting with me today. It was a pleasure, man. Great to meet you. Thank you so much. Okay. That's it for the show. You've been listening to Blamo. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by Amarlal and our theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Hey, if you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us some, I don't know, five stars on all the apps. It's like it's Uber. You know, just five stars for everything. You can follow us on Instagram for all the hot content. And if you want to talk to us, give us your hot take. Sound off. You can send me an email at info at blamopod.com. Um, but more importantly, if you want to hang out with us, if you, if you want that real community, you want the Rex, you want to know what shoes to wear with what, you want to you wanna wax poetic about uh, some Rolling Stones album you think's underrated, you got to join the Blam Fam. So you can visit us at patreon.com forward slash Blamo, where uh, there's a bunch of exclusive episodes. There's the Blamo Presents Derek Guy. You got the Triple J Show and our amazing Slack community. Okay, folks, take care of each other. Winds of change. That's the vibe. All right? We'll see ya.